Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Your Intention Matters. Thanks again for being here. My name, of course, is still Paul Madad. I have today Meredith Schwartz. She is VP Sales at Phase 3 Marketing, coming to us from just outside of D.C. Meredith, how are things? They're great. Thank you, Paul. Happy to be here. Yeah, I appreciate you being here. Hey, listen, how'd I do on the name? Great. Yeah. Did I get it? You did. All right. We keep going. All right. We keep going. Okay, good. So uh, do me a favor, Meredith. Say hi to everybody. Provide a quick intro and then let's jump into your episode. Sure. Well, um, thanks for the intro. My name is Meredith and uh, I am coming to you from D.C., but I do consider myself a bit of a gypsy. Um, I am originally from Orlando and I've lived um, all up and down the East Coast and I am currently the VP of sales for phase three marketing and communications. I have a background in strategic marketing, which is kind of my passion. And, um, you know, outside of work, I am a wife and a mother to a dog and a six-year-old. And um, really, that's my whole reason for waking up every day and doing what I do. I love Love to learn and I love to, um, you know never have repetition. So that's why I'm in sales. (laughs) Well, I I appreciate you being here and I love what you just said. And so, uh, you know, Meredith, as we were talking before I hit record about, you know, the premise of the podcast and the title of it around intention and mindset, and that really is the catalyst for everything. And so with that said, I'm looking forward to you sharing your story. You ready to go? I am. All right, let's get into it then. So let's go back in time here. Let's go back to Stetson University. Uh, For my context, where is Stetson? Stetson is in D-Land, Florida. So it okay. is about 20 minutes from the beach, from New Smyrna Beach. So that was really my uh, decision-making criteria when I was 18 was how close can I get to the beach and still uh, go to school? <laughs> I love it. So now are you a native Floridian? I am shy of being a native Floridian by about six months. I was born in Manchester, New Hampshire, and my parents moved me down. So I can't unfortunately claim that title. All right. But you lived there for really most of your life. It sounds like at least you're at a anyways. Yeah. Okay. For um, up until about 2012. So I've been out of Florida for the last almost nine years. All right. So let's talk about your time at Stetson. I see here a bachelor uh, business administration uh, background in marketing, general marketing and administration and so on. So You graduated, it looks like in 2007, so call it 14 years ago now. Um, Did you have a a vision at the time for what you thought you would be doing, you know, call it 2021? Or were you looking just to get your degree and figure it out? Or did you have a kind of a path you thought you would be taking? Oh, I had had an intention and I had a path, that is for sure. I, um, you know, I grew up in the surf industry and I worked at a company called the Beach Scene Surf Shops. They no longer exist. They have been absorbed into... uh, different versions of PacSun, let's say. But um, when I went to Stetson, my goal was to actually become a buyer and from buyer to become a sales rep. That was my ultimate dream, um, to be a sales rep in the surf industry. I worked with them throughout my career at Beach Scene, whether they were selling sunglasses or board shorts, that was what I wanted to do. So I left Stetson thinking I'm going to kill it for two years or three years as a buyer, and then I'm going to make my move and I'm going to 
become a sales rep and uh, perhaps live in California, maybe still stay in Florida. And that was the mindset I left Stetson with. And did it play out that way? Um, not quite. No, I, um, you know, I left Stetson and, um, did get to be a buyer and, um, you know, it was a great experience. The amount I learned, uh, was incredible, but what I didn't anticipate seeing was how hard it was to be a sales rep. Um, Mm. just how much, um, time and effort was put in on the sales reps and to not only to sell to buyers like myself, but to, you know, maintain their goals and for them to the amount of hours they would have to put in. So as I got to know my sales reps as a buyer more, I was like, wait a second. I don't know if this is going to be my path or not, because I don't know if I'm as passionate about hustling up and down the East coast with, a backpack full of swimsuits than I thought I would be. Gotcha. And so um, how long works? It sounds like you left electively uh, to, to mm-hmm. move into a different direction. And yeah. if you go back to that time, was it a pretty fast decision But when you actually decided mentally and when it actually happened? Or was it a long drawn out process before you finally you know, created that result? You know, I it happened quickly, but it was probably... Um, a decision that I had contemplated for about six months, um, kind of in my history, um, you know, something, a catalyst happens where I'm looking at leaving, but not sure. And it stews and stews until I'm like, aha, I have figured it out. So um, I made the decision to uh, leave and move to the Hurley brand, which was a surf brand um, very quickly but I'd probably been thinking about it for six months, just based off of, you know, the, the state of the company and wanting, wanting more, I would say. Gotcha. And were you able to stay in Florida during this transition? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Stayed in Orlando. Gotcha. <laughs> and so how long were you at Hurley for? I was at Hurley for about four years. I um, was their first uh, retail manager on the East coast. So at the time, Hurley was purchased by Nike, um, and that was kind of taboo in the surf industry to be working for the man, right? Be working oh, for Nike. So, like a sellout. Um, yeah, sellout, exactly. Really? So, <laughs> um, but they, you know, kind of channeling Nike's um, direction, they started opening retail stores, and um, their first move onto the East Coast would be in Orlando. So, um, I was actually lucky enough to know the sales rep for Hurley through my buying, um, yeah. you know, background. And they said, Hey, why don't you, why don't you come join this expansion's happening? And I was like, great. I love retail. Um, I love leading a team and I love Hurley. So yes, let's go. All right. And yeah. so, uh, I should, I, I think you probably have the answer to this, but, um, do you surf? I did. Okay. I wondered if I, I mean, when I, when I was going to ask you the question, like, I assume you probably got into selling surf stuff because you sound pretty methodical with what you do and that I don't imagine you could sell the stuff if you didn't actually know how to surf and yeah. how that would play out. Okay. So you did surf at the time when you were selling the gear. Yeah. And so your, your tenure at Hurley, was it what you thought it would be? Absolutely. Everything and more. I 
Um, felt very lucky. I still consider to this day Hurley to be my favorite brand I ever worked for, favorite company. Um, it was owned by Nike, but not run by Nike. Mm-hmm. Nike allowed it to kind of have its own CEO and be a subsidiary. So it still felt very scrappy and surf brand central. Um, but we had the support of Nike. We had the funds of Nike, which right. was great. So um, I had a lot of great leadership, probably my favorite mentor manager ever. And um, I was able to travel. I traveled every month for the brand opening new stores because that was a time of growth really in retail. Um, and got to go from California to up and down the East Coast to middle America. Mm. Like I said, I used to open retail outlet stores when we were talking. So I've been to probably every outlet center in the U.S. <laughs> Big demand for surf stuff in Nebraska, right? Uh, no, no, I have been to Nebraska, but with uh, Converse. <laughs> well, okay. So let me ask you this. Okay. So it sounds like you work for Converse as well then. So yeah. if things at Hurley are so great and it's checking every box and your great mentorship mm-hmm. and you get to travel and you're, you're in the industry that you love and you have a passion for and it's retail and so on. So why move on? Uh, love, you know, my, um, my mentor at the time, his name, um, is Tony Gonzalez. And I very much was ready at, excuse me, about year three to four to move to California, move up in the corporate section of Hurley. And I met my husband at Rollins when we were getting our, um, our MBA. And, you know, I remember Tony saying to me at a dinner, he said, a job will never love you back. As much as you love the job, it will never love you back. Mm. So don't make decisions based on a job. You need to go with your gut, go with your, how you feel. So I actually, um, I left because my husband, um, was going to be moved to Atlanta. So I needed, there was no Atlanta Hurley, not a big demand of surf products in the middle of Atlanta. Gotcha. And so, and you mentioned that you have your MBA, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. So talk to me about, uh, I want to talk to you about your, your move to Converse and what that was like, but uh, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask you about your decision to get your MBA because uh, I don't have one. Uh, and I, I know people who have re- gotten theirs and it's no picnic to get it. It is no. like a huge commitment. It's not, certainly not that your bachelor's is not, but when you're a full-time student, that's a bit of a different beast. But I imagine you were working at the time of still getting your MBA. So how did you manage that? Uh, well, um, you know, I credit my father. My father said, you can work, you can go to school, and you can have fun and only do two of them successfully. So you need to pick what you can do successfully. So um, I did, I started my MBA in 2010, graduated in 2012, but I honestly did work and school and no play, (laughs) no fun, no vacations, no time off. Um, You know, I was able to work my schedule around my classes because Hurley supported me. Um, The decision to get my MBA was because Um, At the time, it was before I reported to Tony, my mentor, um, I worked for someone I didn't like working for. And Mm. my father said, you can either outlive them or you can quit. Which one do you want to do? So the MBA was really my route to outlive them, honestly, and to have kind of a one up to hopefully 
get there and not have to quit Hurley because I loved it so much. And, and, and then the unexpected fringe benefit was you, you found your partner. You, yep. you, found, you, you <laughs> fell in love, right? And so the most expensive uh, dating service you'll ever have is I what my that. husband says. <laughs> Forget about eHarmony, right? It's exactly yeah. right. So, yeah. all right. So the move to Atlanta, um, mm-hmm. I, I'm curious about this. Number one, did you go to Atlanta with Converse? Did you have a job? Did you have to get a job there? And, and were you down with Atlanta? So, um, funny story, my parents, um, have always been split since I was born and my father's always lived in Atlanta. So Atlanta wasn't scary to me because I had known it, but, um, luckily within the Nike umbrella, they also owned at the time Cole Haan and they, um, still own Converse. And yes, I, you know, was lucky enough to have a network within Converse already because we were all owned by Nike and, um, really we did a great job in Orlando of networking between all the brands. So I put it out there that I would have to leave and move to Atlanta and Converse said, great, we'll make room for you. No problem. We have a property in Atlanta and we're going to be opening a new property and we'd love to have you. So I did, I moved with a job luckily. <laughs> and how long did you stay in Atlanta? Only two years. Okay. Only two years. Um, you know, I'd been in Atlanta before and I liked Atlanta, but surprisingly, it was so different than Orlando. Um, Orlando is a place where people come from all backgrounds. There's so much diversity, there's tourism. And I loved that. And Atlanta where I was, wasn't so much at the time. And I I really craved more than what Atlanta could give me. Fair enough. Did you move with Converse? Like did you, did they move you somewhere else or did you leave? Yeah. Yeah. After two years, um, I was lucky enough to get the opportunity to move to New York. So, okay. Yeah. I moved right. to New York, um, in 2014 proper like Manhattan or the boroughs. So I worked in Manhattan proper. I worked in Soho, but lived in New Jersey because, um, my husband said he didn't want to be able to put his arms out and touch his kitchen and his bedroom. <laughs> it, it, it's such a fair comment, right? It's, a, yeah. it's such a fair comment. Okay. So you moved to Jersey and, and what was it like? How long did you stay in Jersey and with Converse? So I stayed with Converse for six years. Um, they were who I was with before I came to phase three. And um, I was with Converse for six years. I stayed in New York from, I guess it would have been 2014, 2015 to just until I came to phase three. So 2020. All right. Okay. And so uh, I imagine with that length of time, they move you from Atlanta to the Northeast. Mm-hmm. Um, you must have had a decent run, I, I'm presuming. And there must be some sense of loyalty to the company and vice versa. After this length of time, was it your choice to move on to phase three or was it theirs? No, it was mine. I, um, yes, loved Converse. I loved working under the Nike umbrella. That was one of the greatest moves of my career. You know, I think coming from the surf shop and then selling out, going to work for Nike. It ended up being right. awesome because I had the opportunity to move. And um, really, honestly, Nike treats the subsidiaries as well as they treat their own hmm. their own Nike branch employees, but allow us to have a little bit more flexibility. So it was the best of both worlds. Um, but yeah, I decided in probably... June of 2019 that um, I either needed to move to corporate, which would be Boston for Converse or um, Oregon for Nike, or I needed to start looking for a role that would enable me to 
allow my husband's career to flourish a little bit. And unfortunately, Oregon and Boston were not in the cards for him. Gotcha. Okay. So that's fair. Okay. So uh, it sounds like you left on your own again. You find phase three. Yeah. Uh, if my math is right, you joined them at the beginning of 2020. Yeah. And then like eight weeks later, the world shuts down and we yeah. go virtual and the people are literally dying and there's furloughs and there's layoffs and there's masks mm -hmm. and all kinds of dialogue about this. And so I'm curious about your you know, your time at phase three and how has it been? How have you managed, you know, really the, the 12, 14 months or so that you've been there and how have you been handling it? So yes, you're hundred percent right. I joined phase three approximately six weeks before I was sent home um, <laughs> and never returned. Uh, still work there, but just from sure. home. And um, it was really scary. I remember, you know, I had gotten to know phase three because they were a vendor of Nike's. And, um, you know, as I got to know the vendor end of, um, the marketing spectrum, I said, Hey, I should probably look to make that move. Um, feels very similar at what I'm passionate about. So, um, made the move and it was frightening because not only was the world changing, but, um, it really changed for a lot of our clients. A lot of our clients were in retail, um, hospitality and food and beverage. So the, so many of them went bankrupt. Um, they put their cash reserves on hold. They were hoarding cash. So it felt really scary, probably, you know, end of March, beginning of April with everything going on hold. So we were lucky um, during the pandemic, actually, a lot of PPE materials are used in large format sign making, which we have three facilities that do. So um, you know, plexi, acrylic, right. PETG, things like that. So we actually were able to switch our production facilities to manufacturing PPE during the heart of COVID, which um, really helped us keep afloat. But also we were able to help a lot of, um, you know, different companies, different entities, because we had the material landed versus trying to get a supply chain going overseas, right. which was difficult as you remember. Oh yeah, absolutely. Well, and geez, Meredith, congrats on, uh, on the ride so far. I mean, so you're, you're, you're born in the Northeast. You spend the, the bulk of your time in Florida. You have this vision for, uh, I'm getting into sales. I'm going to be a buyer. You, you create that result. You're in retail for a long time. And then you, you make the move over, you sell out under the Nike subsidiary and you, you have a great run. You stay there. You go to Atlanta. You realize, okay, okay, I could probably, you know, hack it out, but it's not really what I want. And there's got to be more. So then you move up from Atlanta to New York, Jersey. Mm -hmm. And so like Orlando's night and day from Atlanta. Atlanta's not even close to life in Jersey, I imagine. No. And, 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 no, and so, you know, you got your MBA in the meantime. You're, you're a wife. You're a mom with a six-year-old. And, and, and now here you are in a new job. But your only experience has been, you know, through Zoom or WebEx. And, and I imagine there's people on your team you haven't even physically met yet. And, <laughs> there are people in the company I've never met. That's right. true. Yes. <laughs> and, and so, you know, congrats on, on, on the ride here. You know, I'll, I'll ask you a, a real quick question here. 
I always love to ask anybody who is a guest on the podcast, like if you had any advice for anybody, like something that served you well, like what's been your foundation? You, you mentioned a couple of things about your dad and, and mm-hmm. what he, t- he gave you some good advice over the years about you can do three things, pick two. And, and so, but like, what's been your rock in terms of your go-to when, when, when times are, are, are not so clear? Yeah. Um, it does all go back to my father. He and I, um, before he passed, I mean, we're extremely close and he was a old school pharma sales rep. He grew up in pharma before any regulation in the heyday. And um, always my good night stories were him telling me about his really cool weeks and the lessons he learned and all of these cool things he did on the road as a sales rep. So um, really the one thing that has stuck with me of his piece of advice is, is it a stop sign or is it a sign that says stop? Do you, are you going to stop here and complain about it? Or are you going to interpret that into what it can be? So um, I try to always remember that when Mm. I'm encountering tough times, whether it be personally or professionally or (laughs) the global pandemic, you know, are you going to sit here and, and cry about how hard things are? Are you going to change your business, change your mindset and, and continue on? So. Awesome. Well, Meredith, I appreciate the time. It's been great getting to know you. Thanks for sharing your story with us. Thank you. Yeah, no problem. You're welcome. All right, everybody, let's wrap up this episode. Remember, your intention matters. Why? Because that's the result you'll tend to get. We're out of here. We'll do it again next week. And let's go Leafs. Um, Got extended. First, it was, you know, till the end of the quarter. Let's see how this plays out. And then at the end of June, it was, you know, for the rest of the year, we're on hold. And it very quickly sort of just froze Mm. Um, just corporate spending, you know, at least in the, in the area of technology I was, I was in. Um, So, so it was challenging in a sense that um, just spending was down and, and, or or flat at best. And, and so a lot of deals were postponed and I think there, a lot of them are back on track now, of course, as the world opens back up, but um, yeah, living through that was, was extremely interesting and, and challenging. Yeah. But I, you know, I made the choice to leave. Yeah, I came over here to kind of hit the reset button again and, um, you know, met the CEO of this company, uh, really enjoy his vision and, and his, his experience in, in building companies and understanding how it's, it's product first, it's customer first. Um, and if, 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 we, if we operate under that, you know, under those auspices, we can, we can build a successful company here. So I was definitely drawn to that again. Brian, you've had quite the ride, man. If we just cap it out here. So you, you, you go to, if I heard this right, you went to college as a favor to a buddy. So, so he's not rooming with anybody else. You end up finding math, accounting, and like a passion for numbers and, and you're cooking. This is what we're going to do. You, you have an underlying, um, not pressure, but you have it, your background is trade, your dad's in fire and, and, you know, and stuff like that. You realize, okay, well, I don't even like getting a, a paper cut, so I can't do that. And then, and then you've got this, this vision for startups, entrepreneurship, you, you get married, you become a dad, you get your master's, you're up and down between big companies, small companies. It's kind of luring you back in here and there. You had, you had enough courage twice to bet on yourself, leaving two massive organizations that it didn't sound like they were kicking you out either time. And yet here we are now at, at Dragonfruit. And so congrats on, on the result that you've been able to create thus far. You know, I always like to ask anybody who's a guest on the podcast, if there was one 
anybody listening, if there was one piece of advice or feedback or something that they came to you and said, you know, Brian, what's been your foundation? Anything come to mind that you lean on? Curiosity. Um, I'm just a generally curious guy. Um, I, I, I believe deep down in, in my bones, you know, I say to my wife that there's nothing we can't solve. And, you know, the, the challenge of solving that is I'm always drawn to that. You know, um, you know, you, you, you can't do the roof on your house by yourself. You got to hire right. somebody. Well, now that you went and said that, I'm going to have to go and take a run at it. You know, I'm right. I'm that, guy that is, I think I can do that. Um, and, and I'm just generally curious. Yeah. You know, I've, I've never done that before. I, I think I'd like to take that apart and see how, see how many parts are left over when I put it back together, you know? Um, so that, that's just generally in my nature. I, I, I get it from my dad. Um, he, he, he's that kind of guy. He just likes to, you know, take a, take a car apart in the garage just to kind right. of see if he can put it back together the same way. And so that kind of translates to, you know, my, my business life and my professional life. I, I, li- I love to get in front of customers and understand what they're trying to take apart and really understand like, wow, how, how are we going to impact this business, you know, horizontally, not just, hey, I'm out there looking for a product or a solution for X, but I like to sit in front of the customers and, and actually I, I do it quite often. I, I get comments that, you know, you don't come off as a sales guy mm. because I, I'll, I'll sit with a customer and say, hey, have you thought about how much it's going to impact, you know, this other group over here or have you thought about how they might use this too, or things like that? And I think that's just generally the, the undercurrent of my, of my, uh, my approach is just, I'm, I'm always curious as to, you know, what else or what new, or what, what can we solve? I mean, that's, that's what gets me out of bed in the morning. And, um, and I think that sales is perfect for that because if you're, if you're not curious, if you're yeah. not really interested in, in problems, whether they're yours or someone else's, then, you're probably not going to be very good at sales. If you're just trying to sell something over and over again, that's fine, but you'll do a lot better, particularly in the, in the enterprise and large enterprise space. If you are generally curious about what you're doing to that company. Can't argue that point. And it probably comes through in your overall presence as you engage with them. If it's just a means to an end and you're not really that interested in the impact on them and, and the value prop, then it pretty much probably can come through pretty quickly here. You know, Brian, I got one more question for you. You're a New England boy. So uh, Pats, Bruins, Celtics, Boston College, uh, Red Sox, all of the above. (laughs) Yeah, by by default, I I grew up around here. Um, You know, I I, I bleed green. I'm a big Celtics guy. Um, Like you, it's a tough week with your your Maple Leafs. But, uh, you know, it's part of the part of the, the business of being a fan, you know, so yep. you can't win it every year. And thankfully we live in cities where it's on to the next. So, yeah. And, and, and you live in a city where it's like a championship is every other year. It seems in some's yeah. one of the four sports, you guys have had a pretty good run the last 20 years. Celtics lose on Tuesday. We, we got the Bruins tonight. Exactly. Exactly. We well, Brian, listen, man, thanks so much for being here. It's been a real pleasure talking to you. Likewise. Yeah. I appreciate the opportunity. You're welcome. All right, everybody, let's wrap up this episode. Remember, as I always say, your intention matters. Why? Because that's the result you'll tend to get. We're out of here. We'll do it again next week. And uh, I hate to say it, but for Brian, let's go Bruins. Yes. Thank you.